This week's episode is brought to you by the ADC Collective, a virtual assistance agency for the modern professional. Their experienced and passionate team provides the support you've been craving. Everything from calendar and email management to editing and travel arrangements. Your personal assistant is there to serve your brand for optimum growth. You can learn more by visiting www.theadccollective.com. Hey, this is Proof, a podcast proving the power of the modern woman, and I am your hostess, Rachel Cargill. In today's episode, we are chatting with the incredibly creative soul, Miss Carrie Lowe. I met Carrie just about a year ago at a Feminist.com event where she swept me away by her spoken word performance in a piece titled Gumption. She was strong and bold and very, very real, and I knew I wanted her as a friend. Since that day, we have been able to get to know each other over coffee, through supporting each other's projects, and I'm really excited to share her and her story and her incredibly magical insight on life with you all. In the conversation that Carrie and I have here on the podcast, she touches on how art is a medicine, how sharing your story can create metaphysical magic, and if you listen through the end, you will hear her give us a beautiful performance that will give you chills just as it always has done for me. Let's get into it. Nice. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on to the Proof Podcast. Um, you and I met over a year ago now. I think it's definitely been over a year ago. Maybe. Maybe we're coming About. up on our first yeah. anniversary. Totally. And, and we met at the Feminist.com event, and I think I just walked up to you and said, hi, I want to be your friend. Pretty <laughs> <Basically>. much. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, – that's kind of how we started. And then as we got to know each other more and more, we were able to pull out each other's stories. I think just from our nature and the way that our conversations go, we just, whenever we get together, we end up having these really awesome experiences and hearing each other out and affirming, affirming each other. And um, just, I don't know, I just love our friendship. So I'm excited to share it with my listeners and um, to share your stories. So, as I start out on my podcast, I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to hear about um, how you got to where you are as this amazing creative who's using um, all of your talent to really promote healing and um, a billion other things that you're doing in order to serve women in these incredible ways. So I'd love to hear your story from your perspective um, so the listeners can kind of get a better understanding of you. Sure. Thanks, Rachel. Um, I'm excited to be here. So when you said, you know, when you're talking about, you know, what's your story and story is a big thing that I study, that I talk about a lot. Um, my mentor is a story coach. Um, so it's very, very present in my life and there's many specific stories, but I feel like the story that keeps happening and that I keep coming to is finding some sort of healing or my next level of growth through engaging in art or creativity. Um, and I feel like it starts, you know, it starts pretty far back. Um, and also that it, it relates to um, the feminine for me, uh, because that's always been a struggle in my life, or it's been a journey that I've been on to accept the, the feminine in myself. Because I grew up, I was a big tomboy, um, and like, you know, kind of getting into fights on the playground and stuff like that, not in a malicious way, really, but like, 
like I remember being in preschool and um setting up some sort of story about like the bad guys and like that were coming to get my friends and something really was happening on the playground like and then I got in the middle of it and like threw the bad guys off of what I saw as the good guys. Um, so I, I like, I really did that. Um, so I was like kind of a tough little, little cookie, but trying to fight the good fight um, in some capacity even then. Um, but I, I mean, the first, the first thing I think of in terms of like art um, was my grandmother really wanted me to do dance classes and to do ballet and I resisted it for a long time because it was girly and it was pink and I just I just thought it was stupid um and so I kept saying no 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 I don't want to do that I'm going to play sports you know all of that kind of thing and then when I was either eight or nine probably nine I finally relented and I said okay I'll, I'll try it. Cause my grandmother, um, she didn't raise me. I mean, my mom was around, but my mom was a, a single mother and she was working all the time. So I was very close to my grandparents. They took care of me, you know, during the days when I was really young and then after school. And so finally I said, okay, granny, like I'll try it. Um, and so she put me into dance classes that your sort of standard ballet tap jazz once a week kind of deal and I ended up just absolutely loving it um and I danced for eight years um you know taking taking regular classes moving on to point and um and then continuing that training uh movement sort of training in theater school and then now I have a yoga practice but um it was I think my first moment when I saw how I could expand through art um, and through, first of all, moving my body. Um, and then after that, I, I got, my art sort of went more verbal and that was even more deep for me as time went on when I found um, theater and when I found making videos and that sort of thing. and then not only theater um, playing other people's characters or p characters that other people had created, but telling my own stories. Um, and that's what I started doing through one woman shows and spoken word poetry and just telling the truth. And all the, every time in my life that I uh, come up against a block, something I can't, I need to get to the next level to, to um or even dark darker things like um i've you know had had eating disorders over the years and it's always been some um art form that has brought me to the next level of either expression or health um and it just it started yeah it started way back with in dance class um just sort of my first reckoning with this girly thing uh within myself or what I perceived as as girly and as really like tough and incredible and requires discipline and all these things um and then so on and so on just coming more into what I think is an integrated being trying to um 
be grounded in both masculine and feminine energies. Yeah. Um, I love that aspect of how you recognized how you were when you were younger and how you still are trying, you know, you said an integrated self. So recognizing all of these dynamic parts of who we are as women, the masculine and the feminine parts of us and kind of integrating that and how um, art has always kind of been the reoccurring theme and helping you figure those things out and get through them. And then the word healing is something that we've discussed a lot um, and how art heals in different ways. And I know you don't just have an opinion on this. You kind of have an expertise in the work that you've done, the mentors that you've had. So I'd love to pull from your knowledge and kind of hear about exactly what healing through art looks like or feels like or what people can or even should do in order to search for healing. My way personally, I'm thinking about uh, the podcast and I feel storytelling is a huge point of healing. And that's why I'm really excited about the ways that my guests, just like you are able to share their stories and women are able to connect with it and say, oh yeah, I understand, I've been there. I'm not the only one, let me figure out my healing also. So in just in the vein of that, and like I said, pulling from your expertise, what is it about art that heals and how can we integrate that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a big, it's a big question and there's so many ways you can take it, but I guess I'll just speak from my direct experience, um, which was primarily when I started realizing this connection. Well, there's actually two, two moments and I'll go back a little further to start, which is when I was in the summer after ninth grade, I went to a five-week summer, like boarding school kind of summer program for theater. And I had actually wanted to go for ballet, um, but I I wasn't really far enough along. Like by the time you're 14 or 15 for serious ballet students, you're like, there's, <laughs> you're really dedicated, you know, years and years to it. And I had never been that serious. Um, so I, I thought I had wanted to do ballet. And then I said, okay, well, it looks like maybe that ship has sailed, which just, I have to say that that's a little bit ridiculous because you can do anything. I mean, there are, you know, there are certain ways that the world tends to work, but, um, anyway, I had it in my head that like, it's too late for me to be a ballerina. I guess I'll go to theater camp and um and but what was underlying that was actually that the year before I had developed um anorexia I was never officially diagnosed but at some points I you know I did I did actually reach you know this the sort of DSM manuals like uh diagnosis like diagnosable anorexia but I had you know hit it well and um you know, I, but people knew what was going on and they were really watching me. And so what was behind this wanting to go away for five weeks was that I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to go to a place where my mom wouldn't be watching me, where my friends wouldn't be watching me. I wouldn't know anyone. And I would have total control over how much I ate. And I had planned to sort of lose a lot of weight and get back to what, um, 
what I considered like being a good person was. Um, Cause at the time I was, you know, I was, I wasn't thinking of my eating disorder as a disease. I was thinking of it as a choice um, and as like my way to be good um, or like acceptable. And so that was my plan. And then I get there um, and I have, and I'm surrounded by amazing teachers and fellow students. And we are, they're asking us to use our full amount of expression. Um, you know, the joy, the sadness, all of, all of the things. And what I really quickly discovered was that if I wasn't feeding myself, I wasn't able to do that. Um, and I, it was like the first time that I had found something that meant more to me than this addiction and this disorder did. Um, and it totally changed, shifted my perspective and changed my life. And I was also surrounded by people, you know, lots of girls in my program that they would go to the cafeteria and they would eat normally. It wasn't a big deal for them. And so I believe that those two things together, um, you know, the support of a, a peer group and then the the demands of art of something so much bigger than myself um, were really, it was the first time that I, you know, I ate normally and I was like happy about that. And I felt like, okay, I'm getting back to some sort of healthy, like knowledge of what my body needs to be able to work um, and express and play at its like highest capacity. And so that was, that was the first time that I found some, you know, healing through art and through um, just needing, wanting, desiring something more than I wanted to be thin. That's such an awesome example. I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm just envisioning you at this away place and being surrounded by all these people who who have an understanding, not so much that they knew what you were going through, but in the expression of art. Moving to New York City has completely changed my perspective of art. It completely has opened me up to an understanding of its power and how, I don't know, in my head, I, I say to myself often, I think artists are like the gods and goddesses of the world. They understand life deeper <laughs> than anyone else. And so I love being surrounded by them in New York City. I love going to art shows. I love going to the theater, whether it's to see um, a play or dance, or um, I've gone to a few ballets. And a lot of the incredible expression is, it's just, it can be overwhelming sometimes, both seeing it as, a, as, as someone who's viewing, but I'm sure, um, especially from the actual artist. Um, yeah. I'm interested. I can you tell me more about well were you going to go to the second example cuz I'd love to hear that also. Um we can go there or if you have a question now we can we can go there. Well, I wanted to know about your one woman show or was that the second mm -hmm. example? Yes, that is the second. <laughs> that is the second. Okay, so, perfect, perfect. <laughs> so, it's it's funny um because even though so, you know, I continued to 
um, that was my first breakthrough with anorexia, but you know, eating disorders are a big, a big thing. Um, and so I continued, you know, later on to struggle years later with bulimia, um, which sort of ties into the, the one woman show, but it's, it's a pretty wild story. And I have to tell you that if I hadn't experienced it myself, I might find it kind of hard to believe. So I'm just going to put that out there um, <laughs> as, <laughs> as true because um, it was a crazy journey for me. So um, kind of where it began was that when I went to, I went to, the, to theater school for college in New York and there I actually discovered songwriting um, and I, I bought a guitar and I started writing these songs, which was a surprise to me, but it, then that felt like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I, you know, I graduate college, I go to make a record and my plan is just to tour around the US. And um, a couple months, a few months before my album is supposed to come out, which I was, you know, self-producing, DIYing it, like gonna make this happen myself sort of vibe, I realized that I couldn't sing without pain. Um, I had gotten sick and so my throat was hurting then and then it just never really got better. And I was really terrified because um, I was scared that I had damaged my voice and I was scared that I had damaged my voice because for years on and off, I had been throwing up, I had been bulimic. And, um, and I knew that if I went to the doctor, it wouldn't be a very, uh, it would just be terrifying to admit that and just, you know, face what I had possibly actually done to myself. And so I did go to the doctor with my mom and they looked at my vocal cords and um, said that there was a lot of redness and some swelling and it looked like I had acid reflux. And I said, well, that makes sense because, you know, I've been, I've been bulimic. And um, so they put me on medication for that um, and which helped some, but, you know, it also it was totally something that I had to deal with. I, um, you know, I had developed this reflex where if I ate, I would like, I had a, a gag reflex. I know this is kind of gross, but it's true. And hopefully, I mean, I'm sure that unfortunately some of your listeners will know what I'm talking about. Um, but because eating disorders are so common, um, but I, I had to train myself to stop that. And what was really remarkable um, was that nothing had been able, like nothing had made me stop before. I knew that what I was doing was not good for my body, but similar to starving myself, I never had a good enough reason to stop. And so here was my reason. I couldn't sing the thing that I had like spent years developing and writing songs and making this record. I couldn't do that anymore. And I knew I would never be able to do that again if I continued to throw up. And so it just stopped it in its tracks. I mean, I think that's the most sort of remarkable thing uh, is that I, you know, 
I didn't go to, to therapy or an inpatient program for bulimia. I just sort of through sheer force of will stopped myself from doing it. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, that's available to everyone. And I certainly had to deal with, I've had to deal with the underlying causes of it later, but at least the behavior, my voice was so important to me that I was able to stop the behavior right when I found out that that's what was partially causing um, losing my voice. And so at first, I mean, that's that like that in and of itself to me shows the healing power of art. Um, and, and that's art in my life. You know, for somebody else, it might be something different. You know, it may be a relationship or another type of career or spirituality or something that is that force that is so strong or this desire that is so big that will make you quit whatever like addictive or bad behavior that you're going through. So I recognize that that's, it may not be art for everyone um, in the way that I'm talking about it, but it, it definitely was for me. And how the story sort of continues is that, you know, for a while I was just, I was really, I had stopped the bulimic behavior, but I was really lost. I didn't have a career plan. I had moved back to New York City and I got a job at a coffee shop. Um, and I was just sort of reeling from a lot of guilt that I had messed up my life. Um, and as time went on, um, I did, I did start to see, I saw this one, I saw one therapist and we had one session and we got into a lot of this, this stuff. And we got into something that I hadn't really talked about before, which, or I hadn't, um, which I, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't really shared, um, with almost anyone, which was right before I lost my voice, I was also sexually assaulted and, uh, by an acquaintance and, I didn't tell anyone about it. And so when I was telling this to the therapist, it was the first time that I realized the timeline of events. Cause I had always asked myself like, gosh, when I lost my voice, you know, I I've been bulimic for years. Why is this showing up as pain now? Why now? Like right before my record's supposed to come out, all of this stuff, why now? And I sort of got the first inkling of my answer when I realized that the sexual assault happened right before, like as I got sick that first time, and then I lost my voice after that. And this started kind of a little um, rabbit trail, if you will. And I started reading about um, narrative medicine and how the stories that we tell about our illnesses, particularly chronic illnesses or illnesses that can't, that don't seem to have um, a medical explanation or aren't totally medically defined, um, how they can be related to our mindset and how, and the stories that we're telling about them. And I started reading um, one book in particular called Coyote Wisdom, which is by a doctor named Louis Melmadrona, and he has, um, you know, he's a trained in Western medicine, but he also, his heritage is Native American, and so he kind of has both, both sides of 
of healing and um, just sharing these really miraculous case studies of patients that he had with eating disorders, with um, other chronic illnesses, like, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, and uh, even people with who are HIV positive, um, and these stories of them basically turning around their lives by understanding the story of their illness. And it made me, there was a passage about the beginning of your story, of your illness story, needing to connect to the end of your illness story. Um, and that's when I realized that, oh, the, the beginning of my illness story of losing my voice was I was bulimic. I destroyed my throat. I destroyed my career. Maybe this medicine will help. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, and that story, and I realized that that story doesn't have an end. It didn't have like the light at the end of the tunnel. It was just like down, down, down. Who knows if things will get better? Um, and I, when I realized the timing of the sexual assault, I, it started making so much sense to me that maybe it was related. Maybe something was going on in my mind um, that had to do with being assaulted and not telling anyone about it. Um, and that if that was actually, if I saw that as the beginning of my illness of not being able to sing because I had obviously, you know, withheld my voice. If I saw that as the beginning, then it had an end. And the end was to tell my story. And so, um, and so I wrote a one woman show about it. Um, and I sort of made this goal to have a one woman show that would be stories and songs, which meant that I would sing again. Um, I didn't know if I would be able to sing again without pain. Um, but it was, I mean, it's hard to explain. Like, it doesn't even make any sense to me why I thought this was possible to do this show, but I was compelled and, and I went for it and I took the steps toward, um, toward, you know, more therapy, um, emotionally releasing around the assault. Um, also of course doing, you know, keeping my health good, not slipping back into old patterns, um, and sort of re retraining my voice and really training the fear out of me of expressing myself through my voice. And um, yeah, and I had my first big breakthrough actually after I told, you know, not, not that I just mentioned to a therapist, you know, my story, but when I told a therapist the entire thing, all of, all of um, the details and things that I might have been um, ashamed of, or things that I might be worried that someone would say, oh, well, you should have known that you were in danger or, you know, like, are you, are you stupid? That was a really bad position to put yourself in. All of those things, I sort of let that go and, and just told her everything. And, um, and she really was able to validate my experience and to, um, to, so it's, you know, it's kind of emotional talking about it, just that, um, 
someone giving you that validation of saying, yeah, that was a really awful thing that happened to you. And you were completely justified in reacting the way you did. And, you know, and your, your body is part of that. It's not just what happens in your mind. It's what happens in your body. And I'm really, you know, like, (laughs) it's understandable. I believe you. And, and now let's move, move past this. And that was my first real breakthrough and, and in singing without pain, um, like literally less than a week later, after I told that story was the first time that I performed a show without pain when I sang. And then that like really fueled me forward and said, yes, you are on the right track. Telling your story is the way out of this. And that gave me the fuel I needed to, um, to go on and perform the show. That's so awesome. It's showing, I mean, in that story alone, we're talking about not just healing in our hearts or in our minds and, you know, in our emotions, but like actual physical changes in ourselves after we come and resolve these issues that we have going in us. And that, I didn't know that. That's so awesome that there was that deep connection. And I'm definitely looking forward to reading the book, the Coyote um, Wisdom that you mentioned. I definitely want to read it and learn more about it and see um, where that understanding is stemming from and how that, like you said, the case studies. I want to read the case studies and see um, how how people's lives are changing based on this understanding that their story has power in so many different realms, not just in our mind, but like you are a perfect example. And I totally believe you and it's not as wild (laughs) as you're saying it is, but I think that there's just this incredible connection and I'm excited to just read more about it and learn more about it and see how I connect, how I can connect that to my own life as well. Um, So Aside from that, congratulations on your marriage. You're currently, you. you're, um, you're in, what country are you in right now? I am in France. Oh, you're in, in Paris. Paris. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. And I know that you've, you've just been kind of very carefree lately. And I know that it's because of a lot <laughs> of the good news that is coming in and a lot of the projects you were working on. And, um, and speaking of all the healing that's been done over time, those were stories from, you know, a while ago, but you've kind of molded into um, a fullness that I can see through you. You definitely shine a light of wholeness that I can see. And I know there's still a lot of building. So I kind of want to talk about what you're working on now and what things are going on now and how you're using um, that platform that has happened through your one woman show through um, figuring out how to deal and work through and um, be whole with your eating disorders that you dealt with and a lot of things you're working on. So what has that built to? I know that a lot of our listeners could be going through those things or could be on the back end of it or may find themselves kind of drowning or floating in these frustrating situations. But um, as they're working through their healing, I think it's always exciting to know what's on the other side. And a lot of the things that you're working on um, are a really awesome example of how you are using that foundation that you built and those platforms that you launched from um, into doing really, really incredible and meaningful things now. So I'd love to just talk about what you're working on now. Sure. Um, gosh, it's always a process, right? I'm, I'm definitely a project person and, 
and yeah. you have big ideas and then they change. Like earlier this year, I was working on a book um, and then it was like, suddenly it was like, no, you're not working on a book anymore. You're going to turn <laughs> part of this book into like a video diary thing. And then you have this other part of the book that like, I think I'm going to, well, I, I don't want to say, you know, too much, but I'm, I'm all of this material that I had, um, you know, generated for the book, I am using as a starting point um, to do more performance work because I'm just really feeling awesome. I like I thrive um, when I'm not just a brain, but when I am a body. And that is when, you know, like that's like why I love spoken word poetry. Um, you know, why I even did a one woman show is that the the work of not just writing something down, but getting it into your body, speaking it you know, is, is where I think huge transformation takes place. And, but I think it's both. So I think that there's, because one of the things I wanted to mention is that, um, you know, writing is, for me, is a starting point of getting to truth, of getting to know yourself, of um, getting to look at things that you've maybe never spoken before, old memories, feelings, all of these things. Um, and we get to them through writing. And so I've actually started this writing group for women um, online and it's called Be Your Own Muse and it's totally free. Um, you can sign up. I think, you know, we'll get the links out somehow, but um, it's on my website and you can sign up and it's every other Sunday and we meet for an hour and I give three writing prompts um, and we write for 10 minutes on one prompt and then another prompt for 12 minutes and then a last prompt for 15 minutes. And this is, a, you know, just total free writing. Your pen is supposed to keep moving. Um, even if you don't know what to say, even if you think you have nothing to say, you just keep going and see what emerges. And I really love this as a, like a basic practice. Um, so like, for example, one of the prompts, um, was behind me and there's obviously the literal, you know, behind me, what's, where are you in space? But, um, you can also take that more metaphorically, like what, what is behind you? um what what really is in the distance and you just start writing and you write and like i said like memories come up um feelings come up desires come up all of this stuff and i just love love this process as a way to start getting to know yourself on a deeper level because you know how often how often do we do that how often are we able to almost tap into the unconscious or make the con unconscious conscious by writing. Um, and that's sort of what happens when you have this timer and you have this imperative to just write and don't stop. Don't think it's not about, it's not about something that you can share online. This writing is just for you. Um, and so that I'm really stoked about because I feel like one of the cornerstones, I feel like there are two things that I know really well um, and I actually just realized this very recently because I was like, what, 
like what is the common denominator i've done so many different art forms you know what is the common denominator of like what i know for sure <laughs> and um one is truth which i think you start to get through first through writing practice and then sort of second by sharing things that you've never dared to share before and it might be with a therapist it might be with a friend it might be publicly it depends on how you're comfortable um and you know where and it, it depends on what you're talking about also um but you know then then sharing that truth and then the second thing is presence and that's the getting in your body part um that is kind of this in, intangible thing which i'm trying to sort of decode how it how it works um i know for me uh yoga any sort of getting into your body practice even just literally um tapping tapping your body like 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 before this interview i was like okay i need to like ground myself i need to get um into like a heightened state so that i'm ready to really express and let things flow through me all of that and one of the things i did to do that was just literally like tap all over my body um from my feet my legs my arms my back my head and um what that does is it just sort of wakes you up and it reminds you that oh yeah i'm here i'm all i'm not just in my head and i'm not even just in my heart i mean like the bot like through the body is sort of how we access that heart space i think and um so that i mean that to me is part of presence and just yeah just per performance in general um is sort of what i'm excited to go to go back to um because this year yeah i was i was spending a lot of time writing i was building my own you know freelance business that which i have now and it allows me to work from anywhere in the world which is why i'm in paris um and then i was getting married and so um performance really took a back seat this year and uh which was fine with me for a while i didn't have the capacity for it but now um that that a lot of those things are settled um i'm just feeling the itch again to to the the crazy the craziness of putting yourself on stage um of you know connecting with people live in person um and just like that imperative that you are in your body you are present you are letting like the universe rush through you in order to connect it's such a, an amazing experience um and it takes a lot and so i'm excited that i'm like finally have the the capacity the brain space the the time space to be able to focus there again I'm so excited for it. Just um, having seen you perform live, I remember when I saw you walk up, I'm like, I can't even imagine what she's going to say or do right now. <laughs> you're just so, I don't know, like you're, you're like such a big soul in a little body. <laughs> like you're just so, there, there's so much to you and you have so much complexity and I think that's what drew me to you. And then, um, 
when I actually when I actually saw you perform, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I have to know her. There's so much more to her. And um, like I said, I like to my listeners who know me personally, you know that I'm like a very extroverted person. I um, rarely hold back from things. It's just who I am. And so um, meeting Carrie was one of those in which um, I was at. I mean, the energy in the room was already really great. It was at a um, at a conference here in New York City. And the energy, uh, who who else was there? Sarah Jones was there. And she oh, my gosh, performed. Sarah Jones. Oh, oh. Have you seen, oh, I, by the way, her show, Sell by Date. Oh, my God. So good. Have you seen it? Oh, yes. my gosh, Carrie. Like, I cried and <sighs> I laughed. Like, it, there, <laughs> I don't even know. It's, I'm speechless. Her performance yeah. is incredible. For all my listeners, if you have any opportunity at all to go see Sarah Jones and Sell by Date, it is a life-changing performance from her, and um, absolutely. So, and bring bring your male friends, bring your yes. husband, bring your boyfriend. My my husband Charlie said it was, and he's a musician, but he said we saw we saw it, Rachel. We saw it right after that conference. It was like oh, did you? Not even. It, it was like oh. um, a test run, like just sort of getting feedback, like. Sarah yeah. Jones like had her script in like in front of her just oh, in case she oh didn't God. know the lines. We saw it then and it was and he said that is the best thing the best performance of any any medium any whatever that I have ever yeah. seen in my entire life. It was incredible. It's wild. I saw her on stage just a few weeks ago. So I saw it oh in the gosh. theater with the lights. I mean I don't know. It's incredible. So if anyone gets <laughs> to see it, go see her. Anything Sarah Jones does is incredible. So anyways, what I was saying was that she was there. Um, she was performing a little bit of sell by date. Um, we got to hear from an incredible panel of speakers. And then Carrie came up and performed her spoken word. And it completely um, opened me. It opened me. It opened me to hearing voices and hearing your story and thinking, what's my story? What do I need to share? How can I share it? Um, so yeah, that, the way that we were able to connect on that level is the way I think a lot of women are able to connect. And um, I wanted to know if you'd be willing to share gumption, which you shared um, when I first met you and what kind of made me fall in love with you and be extremely interested in what you have to share, if you would be willing to perform that now for my listener. Yes, I would love to. Um, Yeah, so this poem... I wrote during that time when I lost my voice and um, I was really wanting to perform again. I was started working on the show, but I, I wasn't, I hadn't had the breakthrough yet. I actually was literally about to have that breakthrough where I sang for the first time without pain. Um, but I wrote this poem kind of for myself to help myself get through that time. Um, and then for, for any other woman. So um Yeah. When I have gumption, I'm the woman I want to be. And not just the woman I want to be, but the woman I want to see. On the screen, magazine, talking to me freely. Not selling Pantene or the dream of tight jeans that don't squeeze. A queen. Like India Ari when she sings. I'm not the average girl from your video, and I ain't built like a supermodel, but I've learned to love myself unconditionally. That's the woman I want to see. 
When I have gumption, I am gracious and kind, grateful, divine, but direct. Don't expect a consolation prize, because I've been there before, then walked to my door, and it was easier to relent with a kiss than say no. It was easier to give false hope than say go. But that was a lack of gumption. You know something, there was not one man who deserved my attention, much less my retention in the religion of his lanky locks, late night calls and emotional blocks around any thought of two souls caught up in love. That was not what this was, this arrangement between us. When I have gumption, I speak up just because I wanna be heard. Every thought, every word in a suit or a skirt, I deserve your brain, not just your gaze, but I'll take them both because this body is not going anywhere. So if you get distracted because I'm a girl with breasts made for milk and hips built for birth and eyes set for sensing the danger ahead, if you get so distracted you can't hear what I've said, then I'll say it again. And I'll say it once more. You're going to get used to a girl on the floor because I've got gumption and I've got teeth and a tongue to articulate my freedom of speech. A woman incensed is a woman who knows there is power in passion and suffering and woe and the pain of the earth will not stop only grows the longer we keep our sisters enclosed in a cage sitting pretty while their spirits are starved where greed lust and envy ratchet their hearts it's a media frenzy best dressed of the stars look at her thigh gap showing look at her jiggly arm she's a slutty homewrecker she belongs on the farm next week they'll forget her last week they were charmed because a lady can't win photoshopped or not. A woman's deflections can always be caught and thrown back in her face and streaked through her hair. She's not woman enough. She's too smart. She's not fair. She's feminist, fat, too tomboy to play in this world of real Barbies and Louboutin slaves. It's not our gumption that constrains us. That's for damn sure. It's ingenuity coquettish, innocent, demure. It's the seen and not heard second sex of the world. It's the lines that he blurred. It's the war on the girl. I am fighting for gumption to spread like a cure, infect every woman with the strength to be heard, to say what she's feeling, to say what she's learned, to start up her healing, salve all of the burns branded into her skin that she never deserved but took on in silence without saying a word, the abuse and the violence she had to endure because someone decided her soul wasn't pure. There are stories hiding in the girls all around us. There are teardrops threatening to engulf, overwhelm us. I'm a woman who cries before she gets livid, who believes in compassion, who believes in forgiveness. But until we speak up, until we make it our business to share what we've suffered, to insist, to bear witness to the girlhood extinguished, to the woman reduced, until we untie our secrets, till we cut off the noose that makes us the weak ones when we know we are strong, that breaks us and bleeds us and makes us feel wrong, wrong to feel angry, wrong to be bold, wrong to resist, to not do as we're told until our stories are central, not special interest, until we believe that our bodies aren't a curse, but a gift until we conceive of a womanly bliss that transcends the garden, the devil, the hiss of the snake that man wrote, tempted Eve to her shame, until we dismiss that we are to blame and decide that we're done with the strangling chain that encircles our voices and makes us behave, we will not find freedom. We will not have our say. I am fighting for gumption. I'm aligning with peace. 
I'm deciding to practice what my soul wants to preach. I will tell my true story because it needs to be told to shake up the system, to set free my soul. And I promise to listen to every woman, child, man who accepts the brave mission to do what they can to make the world better, more caring, more just, to use their whole goodness, to seek out true love, to encourage the gumptious among us to run with our torches, illumining the truth from the lies, to let out the laughter, the grief, the cries. So bring on your sighing, your singing, your voices. The world needs your gumption. The world needs its girls. Carrie, thank you so much for your art. I'm so inspired. Um, I love it. I love you. Thank you so much for being part of the Proof Podcast. Um, it was incredible having you on. It was incredible hearing your story. Um, and it was incredible hearing you perform gumption. Mm, thank you so much, Rachel. It's so good to be here. I haven't, I haven't performed that in a little while and it felt, oh, it felt good. Um, and I hope that it, that something in there, you know, resonates with, with everyone listening and, um, hopefully inspires you to, you know, stand up for gumption in your own way. I feel like everybody, everybody knows, you know, what, where they could be more gumptious um, in their own life. And so it doesn't have to be in the way that I do it at all. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, I think everybody knows, you know, where, where they're being pulled to next. <laughs> I totally agree, and I'm so excited for everyone here and for all of the incredibly bold and courageous listeners that I have to, as Carrie said, um, stand on their platform, whatever that may be, and use their own gumption to um, make changes that they are very aware need to be made. But um, as I always say to my guests, I get talk to you all day, which we do sometimes. <laughs> we get Carrie and I get together for coffee, for coffee often, and um, we have these incredible conversations. So um, I will save that for the next time you and I are able to meet up. But <laughs> um, as far as the Proof Podcast, thank you again for being on. Um, yeah, thanks. Great. So, what'd you think? Carries are proof that healing is possible. Through a variety of life events that were certainly challenging and heartbreaking enough to have broken her completely, she rose up and allowed those experiences to grow beauty in her. She also has proof that stories matter, not just to be analyzed and contemplated, but to be vocalized and shared. And her performance, wasn't it powerful? What do you think? How has your pain manifested in you? as either greatness or fear. And are you ready to do the work to shift it? Because you know you have that power, right? In what ways has art or creativity or performance helped you in your journey? You can get more of Carrie at kalocreative.com. That's K-A-Y-L-O creative.com. And you can be part of the Proof Podcast conversation over on our IG page at Proof Podcast. Thanks for listening in and being part of this magic. See you next week when I'll be pulling out more proof of what's possible for women like you.